you will turn with me to Psalm 126. Psalm we had been speaking about last week and had come down to the near the end of the psalm. And uh, this is that psalm in which, as I mentioned over the past two weeks, that the Israelites say that their mouth was filled with laughter and their tongue with singing because of their great deliverance. And uh, how blessed and wonderful this is, as I said last week. I, if I would pray anything for Christians, it is that they might have a joyous heart. This is needed so much in this world of so much sorrow and burdens and people with their frustrations and the world is looking for some cheer. And uh, if the Christian who Jesus Christ has said, receive ye my joy that your joy might be full, and if we're not exhibiting that kind of joy in our hearts, and if there's not a song there making melody in our hearts, with psalms and spiritual songs, as Paul said. How sad it is for this world we live in. You are the salt of the earth. If you are a Christian tonight, you are the light of the world. You are the children of light. And the beauty of the Lord is reflected in you. Or there is no reflection for man. He cannot look to nature to find the beauty of the Lord, as wonderful as that may be. We may be out in the country somewhere, and we may be in a beautiful setting, and it may remind us of God, but in that same setting can come terrible storms and terrible blights. And so nature cannot give us the joy of the Lord. You may have a healthy, fine body at the moment. You won't have it too long if the Lord tarries. So you cannot rejoice in nature. As wonderful as it is and as beautiful as it may be, and when people tell me that they worship God under the sun or at the beach, or I still find it a little difficult to think that the sand reminds me so much of the Lord. Uh, I always think of the desert experiences, you know, Mountaintops somehow talk to me about the Lord. And I suppose to some people maybe the sand and the beach and the sea may, but to my mind, the beauty of the Lord, the greatness and the joy of the Lord, all that we have that's beautiful is in Jesus Christ and him alone. He's the fairest of 10,000, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon. He's the beautiful one. And the only beauty that we exhibit is that which shines forth from a heart that's been converted by Jesus Christ. And so if you're converted tonight, if you have found Christ as your personal Savior, and as I look out at the congregation, I know most of you, few of you I do not know, but if you are not converted, or when you know Christ as your personal Savior, when you've come to him for redemption, when you've come to him for forgiveness of sins, 
and he comes into you and dwells in you and abides with you. In a very great sense, the Shekinah glory shines forth from the new temple, which is your body, and people see the Christ in you. And so, in this psalm here, which is attributed to David, Song of Degrees, uh, he says, Our mouth was filled with singing because they'd been delivered in laughter, uh, uh, mouth with laughter, uh, tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, Lord. Deliver us again, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You'll remember I said of this fourth verse that it speaks of two things to my heart. Number one, the streams in the south, uh, never a frozen concept of the things of God, but a warm heart. If there's one thing God wants is a he longs for most, our Lord Jesus, is our love and the tender and compassionate love of our hearts, human love as it is fired by the Holy Spirit. And so the streams of the south are never frozen, and there are so many cold Christian hearts that have no warmth and no love in them. This is hard to conceive of when the one who is love himself enters the being can we help but that should love should be manifested from us? And here it is that the streams of the south, and then also the streams of the south, would, we would be thinking of the arid lands and how the waters feed the arid lands. So that uh, here they say, let us be that way. We don't want to be like we were. Lord, do it for us again. Deliver us from all the bondage that we're in and Free our hearts so that we might have a free love for Christ, one that really overflows. I, you know, when I, when I read the scripture and it says, whosoever the Son shall make free, he is free indeed. And I look at people's faces and I wonder, how free are you? How free are you? Are you really free from the burden of sin? Are you? Are you conscious of this great freedom that's coming to your soul? Has the blood really cleansed you from sin in your own heart, you see? From God's side, the cleansing of the blood is sufficient for all sin. But have you, who are talking about redemption and claim redemption, has it given you a perfect freedom of soul so that your mouth can utter great things for God, so that your tongue can be free? Because unless the heart is free, unless we've been freed from all the burdens of sin, unless we understand this great freedom, we cannot possibly speak to others out of a good and wonderful heart about the things of God. And this is what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to be perfectly free. How often have I said from this pulpit, if you have to worry about your own salvation, you'll never be able to talk to anybody about theirs. If you're saved, you're saved. This gives you great freedom then to go out, you see, and speak for the Lord Jesus. 
If you're always worrying about yourself, and I have to say a terrible lot of Christians are worrying about salvation about themselves. Well, get it straight. If you're redeemed, you're redeemed. Whosoever the Son shall make free is free indeed. And then you are free to go forth and to speak of those things about Jesus Christ that have freed your heart and made your soul a singing soul and give you laughter in your very beings. And so this is what God wants. And then, of course, out of this, why is this a prayer of Israel's heart? Why do they want this again? Why do they say, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south? The reason they want it, beloved, is that others may know that they might publicize to a world outside the greatness of Jehovah that they might let others know, and this is true of the church, that we might let others know. We must experience it first. We must experience complete deliverance first from sin before we can possibly speak for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Israel's prayer is that God would again do this wonderful thing as the streams in the south and soften their hearts and give them a compassion. Israel, who had so many trials and so many problems and so many burdens and so much captivity, and they want this great freedom. And then they immediately say, because they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. The world, Christian, needs your singing heart needs that great release that you have received from Jesus Christ to be expressed to them, that they may find Christ, that they may come to Christ, the man in his business, the woman in her home, the one in the neighborhood, the young person in school, wherever you may be, if you have been really made free, and only the, only the individual heart knows that, only you know this, as I talk tonight, uh, you're either saying in your heart, I know this freedom. I'm perfectly free because Christ is dwelling in my breast by faith. The Holy Spirit has made my body his temple. I'm a free man. I never have to worry again about my salvation. Oh, Lord, I fear that I may not please thee, but never again will I worry about my salvation. Thou hast redeemed my soul. Lord, I would sow with tears that I might reap with joy. Now, beloved, the sowing with tears is the sowing of the word of God. Notice this last verse says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. And I couldn't help but think when I read the, read the word precious that we're told by Peter unto you who believe Christ is precious. This is precious seed, the precious seed of the word of God. And here we're told by the psalmist that they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You're sowing the seed of word in tears. You know, it almost seems incongruous within the context. To bring laughter and singing and suddenly tears. It would almost seem as though you'd have to leave tears out of the context of this. But yet this is the whole burden here. That the heart that is singing 
that the heart that is joyous in Jesus Christ, there's nothing incongruous about that heart being burdened unto tears for the souls of men. The same heart that's filled with joy can be filled with tears. Remember, this is what Christ said. Receive ye my joy, that your joy might be full. But I would remind you that our Lord Jesus Christ, when he looked down upon Jerusalem, it says he wept as he looked down upon them and said to them, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I gather thee unto myself like a mother hen doth her little chicks, but she would not. Oh, that thou knewest the things that belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. They could not see the future. If they did, they would have fled. They would have immediately gone, you see. They couldn't see what was coming. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And yet, he wants to give us his joy that our joy might be full. And so there is a wonderful congruity here, if I can say this, in that the laughter and the singing and the tears are placed side by side. So that the joyous heart is burdened with tears. Can you see that? Can you understand? This is spiritual truth. That the joyous heart in Jesus Christ is burdened unto tears for the souls of men. Now, why? If in our ordinary manner of life, suppose here we are as Christians, if in our ordinary manner of life we are a sad, dejected lot, if we are a frustrated people, if we are rather miserable about our Christianity, well then, if people see our tears, it will fit into the perfect context of our being and our character. But if our tears are associated with the fact that they know us as a most joyous Christian, as the happiest kind of a person, both in the family relationship, in the neighborhood relationship, in the office relationship, and yet in dealing with them, they see the soft and gentle tear Roll from our eyes in our compassion like under the compassions of Christ. Let me tell you, that touches the coldest heart. People are one with tears. People are not one by our measured calculating. Sometimes it upsets me when I see these the sort of things that say all you have to do is know three verses of Scripture. You get the person and you quote the three verses and the, if you take the beginning at the end of the three verses, they just say, I'm saved, and that's it. Beloved, it would be lovely if it happened that way. It's wonderful to know your scriptures. It's wonderful to memorize and to have verses that you can use. But I want to tell you, unless the heart is compassionate and unless there is a burden unto tears for the souls of men, then how, beloved, can we expect that they shall find Christ as their Savior? And after all, does not Peter say that we are born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God? Is this not the glorious seed? He that goeth forth with precious seed 
shall doubtless come again rejoicing. Isn't that wonderful? My word does not return unto me, what? Void. Shall, what? Doubtless come rejoicing. Isn't it sad that so few of us even attempt to testify? Even desire to testify? Although God says that there'll be rejoicing, doubtless, if we will but sow the seed and the tears and the burdened heart. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's so difficult to imagine that a Christian just goes about testifying with the thought that someday I'm going to get a reward for this. It's never in my heart that I will get a reward for winning souls for Christ. My heart is burdened to tears for souls for Jesus Christ. And it's not in the seeking of reward, but the yearning for a soul that they may find Christ as their personal Savior. And the tears, beloved, are those tears which are within the soul and within the heart. And I think so often of those people that I have read about in the shedding of the tears and what those tears must have meant. I think of a mother like Charles and John Wesley's mother. And I read of her. I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think she had about 19 children and that she got on her knees every day and prayed her heart out. She read the Scriptures with every child. She was burdened for them. It said of her that as she kneeled by her bedside at night, her bed was wet with tears, pleading for her children. Nineteen children. Twelve became preachers of the Word of God. Those of you who've studied in your schools, if you read the record of the Wesleys, of course, Charles and John were the most famous. If you read the record of the Wesley and the Wesley family down through generation after generation after generation, you find preachers and preachers and preachers. And I believe God honored that mother, grandmother, great-grandmother for the tears that she shed at her bedside over her children. And there were not only just preachers, there were lawyers and judges and all fine, strong Christians. When we think of the tears that are shed, oh, how those tears counted with God. Why do you think it has in God's word? He hideth our tears in a bottle. Because those tears that are shed over the souls are a remembrance to God of the impassioned plea of our souls that those we love or friends might find Christ as their personal Savior. But, oh, beloved, if I can say this, your first place for tears is for your own little family right in that own little thing. I tell you, I sometimes think if... Uh, I don't say Christians shouldn't pray for the world. And I know Christians should be praying for missions. But I want to say this. I hope no Christian ever gets on their knees and say, now, Lord, bless the world. You've got something more immediate to pray about. And I don't think there's a family here that I know that doesn't have someone unsaved in that family some dear loved one, some mother, some father, some 
son or some daughter, a brother, a sister, or someone in that family that you want to come to Christ. And I challenge you, beloved, to go to your knees and plead with God and not have a one-minute or two-minute prayer at night and then jump into bed and forget it in the morning and all that, but to really pray your heart out and ask God, Lord, give me those tears that the Word of God speaks out. I want to sow with tears. You know, tears are common to all mankind. All men sow in tears, whether they're the Chinese Christians or red or yellow or black or white, just as laughter is common to all men, as I said. And singing is common. These are all the common things of men. Men cry the same, men laugh the same, wherever we go. And so sowing in tears is part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And oh, how my heart tonight, how I would plead with you that there might be a, a deep and holy and intense desire before the Lord, even unto tears, that God will do a mighty work with you and use you. I believe that, you know, I remember one preacher who told me one time, uh, oh, many years ago, he said, you know, I used to, when I, when I preached, he was a southern preacher, and he said, when I preached, he said, I used to break down in tears all the time. And he said, you know, I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, would you please stop this tearing that I have all the time in my sermons? He said, I just don't like this. I just can't get halfway through. So he said, the Lord answered my prayer and took away the tears. And he says, my message is of such a character that I just... Shouldn't have asked him to take away the tears, so I got on my knees again. I said, Lord, give me back the tears, because when I had the tears, souls were being saved in the kind of a ministry I have here in the South. And he was down in one of those little towns with all the backwoods country people. And he said, when the tears began to flow again with those country people, they began to come to Christ again. Mm -hmm. Tears, tears. He hideth our tears in a bottle. Then, too, if I can mention the Word of God, I think here, since the seed is the Word of God, this is so important. I can't help but thinking, you know, how the Word of God is so important in every part, and just not salvation. I mean, I think of it in every single area of our lives. We're born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. That's how we're saved. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We are sanctified by the Word of God. Jesus says that we are to be sanctified, and he tells us that we're to be sanctified by the Word, and the Word is truth. We say that thy Word have we hid in our hearts that we might not sin against God. Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. This wonderful word of God. The worlds were framed by God. God said. There was light. God placed a firmament. It was his mighty fire of his word that did it all. And so the great word of God is the, is the seed, the precious seed that we sow wherever we go. 
the seed of that precious word, the seed of redemption. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. The word of God, verified, absolute truth in the redemption that you and I have in Jesus Christ. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And I think here in a very deep and wonderful sense we can think of our Savior. How can we help but think of the Lord Jesus Christ coming again? I couldn't help but think of Paul, where Paul says, Are not ye my joy and my crown at the Lord's coming? And I pictured the Lord Jesus Christ coming, garnering in the sheaves, all hid in his bosom, and coming again with all the saints. Those have been redeemed in the blood of Christ, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the clouds and the air and then shall we ever be with the Lord. Bearing precious seed, he came, he sowed his seed, he's coming again, beloved, and he's coming with the redeemed. What a blessed day. What a blessed day. Do you know him tonight? Do you? I don't know how you were saved, but I know how I was. And I know that in both my life and in my wife's life, there were a lot of tears shed. Because we were in darkness when the marvelous light of Christ came in. And the man who witnessed to me, there were two witnesses for Jesus Christ. I saw them break down in tears when they prayed for my soul. And I remember how I wept when I came to Christ and how my wife wept at her bedside when she came to Christ. Do you know him tonight? I don't know your experience, but I know what tears mean. And I have known over the years that they that sow with tears shall reap with joy. Doubtless. Isn't that wonderful? Doubtless. Not one bit of doubt. No guesswork here. Doubtless. They shall reap with joy. Let us pray. Father, we thank Thee for Thy word tonight, and we pray, Lord, that our hearts will truly be burdened unto tears. We remember the tenderness and the compassion of Christ, how He dealt with so often with one soul at a time, not in great bodies or great congregations, but with one soul. To Jesus, it was worthwhile to go out of his way for just one. So often, unless we have tremendous results, we don't think anything's worthwhile. 
Lord, we know how many churches give up visitation work because the church doesn't pack out after they've visited a few times. But Lord, this is not why we visit. We want to sow that precious seed. And we believe that doubtless we'll come with rejoicing. Lord, we believe that if everyone here tonight had a yearning in their heart to sow precious seed, that precious seed of the Word of God in some other heart, and really prayed about that one, really had that on their hearts continually, burdened, deeply burdened, praying continually that God would do a mighty work in that other heart. So often we give up if things don't happen right away. But we're so thankful we have a Savior who's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. Lord, we pray that as we testify, as we become burdened for souls, we really will be burdened. We pray for every child in this daily vacation Bible school. Lord, there's been some tears shed over some of these children. I've talked to some of the teachers and seen some tears flow. They just couldn't believe it was possible. Some who'd never had a daily vacation Bible school class before and suddenly have seen three or four of their children come to Jesus Christ as personal Savior and rejoicing in it and tears flow because souls are saved. Oh, Father, help us to be so tender. Help us to be just as loving as Jesus. We remember that he tells us that he will give us his love. He gives us himself, and he is love. And so, Father, we pray that with compassion and tenderness as we testify, the Holy Spirit may use us to win someone for Jesus Christ. And if tonight there should be any here who have not yet taken Christ into their hearts, Oh, the seed, as we remember the parable of the sower, many times it goes into all kind of different soil. and In very few places does it really bear fruit. But we pray tonight that if any are outside of Christ, that in the quietness of this moment, they will say, Oh, precious Savior, come into my heart. I believe in thee as my Savior. I trust thee. Lord, how we pray that. We pray that if any have done that, like the great number who have come to Christ in this place, they have that few minutes from now till the time they get to the door. This eliminates any emotionalism. But when they get to the door, if they know that they have been saved, that they just can say to the pastor, Pastor, tonight I found Christ as my Savior. The seed has taken root in my heart, that precious seed, and I believe in him as my very own personal Savior. These things we pray because we believe that the Holy Spirit does his work well. In Christ's name, amen.